0: He blessed all who came no one's life was left the same his whole life was his gift to me not once for himself did he ask the father's help he said please bless you and me i know he gave his life for me and with his love has set us free i know he gave his life for me.
1: Very nice, Bonnie. He okay. did give his life for you and me and everyone else. Welcome to Notes from John.
0: With a babble from Bonn.
1: It's Easter Sunday, April 21, 2019. And we're delighted to have a few minutes to share with you some of our thoughts about the Savior and his resurrection and its importance to, uh, to us. Um, we've just had an interesting little weekend. We had, uh, we completed our, our time in the temple Friday night, um, got home about 11 o'clock and, and got up early uh, s- yesterday morning, Saturday to drive to St. George um, in order to attend the funeral of the, the wife of one of my nephews, uh, her name being Liz jepsen my ne- my nephew's son being Joseph jepsen and um, and we'd like to give a shout out to all of my siblings and their companions and to many many of our nieces and nephews who made the trip from many different different places uh, to get um, primarily from the Salt Lake area down to uh, to Saint George, a little town just north of that, called Veo, for the the uh, funeral of Liz, <clears throat> and uh, it was a, it was a touching, sad circumstance. She was, just in her early forties, and uh, she was thirty-nine. Was she only thirty-nine? Thirty-nine, five kids at, still at home, and um,
0: they ranged from eight to sixteen.
1: So, uh, Joe's. Uh, having to make some major adjustments in order to uh, take care of the things that he needs to. And we give a shout out to him and to all of my siblings that attended, their companions and all of our nieces and nephews that made an effort to be there. I thought it was just a great showing.
0: Our children, somebody just came down for the day, <clears throat> turned around and went back home afterwards. So it was a great support for, for Joseph and I hope he knows that we, he's loved and that he's in our prayers.
1: Yeah, thank you. So uh, Bonnie and I stayed down uh, in St. George last night and after uh, attending sacrament meeting this morning in St. George, we drove home. And uh, um, we've been pondering and reflecting on, on what we might say tonight in this podcast. And this past week in our service in the temple, we had the opportunity if you want to call it that, the responsibility to give a, an Easter message to um, several groups of temple workers, and we did it four times last week, and, and uh, we thought that we might, we might as well share now with you what we shared with them, because it's certainly very applicable to all that may be listening in on this, this uh, podcast tonight. So, Bonnie, you started that off. Uh, why don't we just turn it to you?
0: Of course, that would be great. I just love Easter time mainly because, of course, of what of our, our um, Savior and what he did for all of us. But I love it that it's in the springtime. Utah is so beautiful in the springtime with snow in the mountains and the, everything. is. We've had a lot of rain, so everything is so green. Flowers beautiful everywhere, trees are blossoming. It's just a beautiful time of year. It helps you think about new life and what the resurrection is all about. And there was a great quote from Elder Paul Johnson who talked about his daughter who was dying and I'm just gonna change a few of the words instead of I to we. She said Easter is a reminder of all that we hope for, that someday we will be healed and someday we will be whole. Someday our hearts will be free of fear and our minds will be free of anxieties and that we all are grateful that uh, we believe in a beautiful afterlife with our loved ones. I just think that's so true when it comes to the Savior's resurrection and that we have hope in that glorious time. Um, When I was a young girl, we used to go up to... Idaho to have a little farm experience to milk cows and ride horses and do a few things that ranchers do on a farm. And we would tie ourselves to a inner tube and, and float down the Snake River, much to the aghast of our parents, who was it was considered quite dangerous. But, of course, being young, we were fearless. But I read a story of Thomas Monson, who also floated on the Provo River occasionally, and he shared this experience. It goes. One warm summer afternoon when I was about twelve or thirteen, I took a large inflated inner tube from a tractor tire, slung it over my shoulder, and walked barefoot up the railroad track which followed the course of the Provo River. I entered the water about a mile above the swimming hole, sat comfortably in the tube, and enjoyed a leisurely float down the river. That day, the Greek speaking people in Utah held a reunion at Vivian Park in Provo Canyon. Some left the party to try swimming in the river. When they arrived at the swimming-hole, it was deserted, for it was getting later in the afternoon. Well, as my inflated tube bobbed up and down, I was about to enter the swiftest portion of the river just at the head of the swimming-hole when I heard a frantic cry, Save her! Save her! A young lady swimmer had fallen from the rock into the treacherous whirlpools. None of the party could swim to save her. And suddenly I had appeared on the potentially tragic scene. I saw the top of her head disappearing under the water, for the third time right by me, there to descend to a watery grave. I stretched forth my hand and I grasped her hair. I lifted her over the side of the tube and into my arms. At the lower end, the water was slower as I paddled the tube with my precious cargo to her waiting relative and friends. They threw their arms around the water-soaked girl and kissed her, crying, "'Thank God! Oh, thank God! You are safe!' Then they hugged and kissed me. I was embarrassed and quickly returned to the tube and continued my float down to the Vivian Park Bridge. The water was frigid, but I was not cold, for I was filled with a warm feeling. I realized that I had participated in the saving of a life. Heavenly Father had heard the cries, Save her, save her, and permitted me, a deacon, to float by at precisely that time I was needed. That day I learned about the sweetest feeling in mortality is to realize that God, our Heavenly Father, knows each one of us, and generally permits us to save and to share His divine power to save. Now, it was a great story of President Monson saving this young girl, but it is an incredible story of Jesus Christ rescuing you and me. He is our rescuer. He has stretched forth His hands, His scarred hands, to lift us up to be saved so that we may live with Him again. And we're, because of the resurrection, the grave hath no victory, and the sting of death is swallowed up in Christ, as it states in Mosiah 16.8. And as we shared this, these stories and thoughts with the temple ordinance workers, we all have the opportunity to, sh- to save our, our loved ones and others who are waiting to be saved as well. It's a favorite song of mine from Dean Kalin that our family would sing, and it goes, He came and loved the sinners, he healed and taught the lame. His life was full of kindness, and his love shone in his face. He said love one another, and often he would cry, but there was always love and mercy in his eyes. He asked us to have mercy and turned the other cheek. He begged for us to show love to the helpless and the weak. And even as he suffered, and as he hung to die, still there was that love and mercy in his eyes. The love we share was his legacy. How much he cared is what he left behind. The love he gave should shine in all our eyes until he comes again. We'll fill his presence near us. Through the love we share. We are participating in this divine power to love and to save each other. By the way we treat them, by the work we do for them in our temples. And just our everyday lives is trying to help our families and our children, our neighbors get back to live with our Heavenly Father. Our Lord and Savior is the witness that life is everlasting And I know because he left the tomb empty, our hearts wouldn't have to be, for we all shall live again. I love the last line of, I know that my Redeemer lives. It says, oh sweet the joy this sentence gives, I know that my Redeemer lives.
1: Well, Bonnie, that's a beautiful message, and uh, you did it as well now as... You did it in uh, in the temple this oh, past nice. week, and nice going on your song too. You even Edo did a good key for you.
0: Well, maybe <laughs> good work,
1: sweetheart. Well, as uh, <clears throat> as Jesus was anticipating his return from Galilee to Jerusalem, he had a number of people that were following him from place to place as he was preaching, and. Um, This group of of people had within it a a group of amazing women who followed him, who loved him, who um, had great faith in him. And um, they actually followed with him from Galilee as they made the journey from Galilee to Jerusalem just uh, this last week of his life. And uh, that's identified in in the 15th chapter of Mark, where Mark references uh, uh, some women that were were actually at the uh, crucifixion. And he says in verse 41, "...who also, when he was in Galilee, followed him, and ministered unto him, and many other women which came up with him unto Jerusalem." So in that that verse from Mark, we we learn that there's this wonderful group of women that were following the Savior and followed him to, from Galilee to Jerusalem, and they ministered unto him. And it's made me wonder, um, as I was preparing for this talk, what did they do to minister to him? He, he certainly knew why he was coming. To Jerusalem. He knew what was going to happen, and um, he may have shared some of—I don't know—he may have shared some of that with these women and other followers as he was as they were walking. Remember, it's an 80-mile trek from Galilee to Jerusalem. Probably, in my estimation, took—I don't know—maybe two two days, two and a half days. And I I can just I can just see this group of faithful, devoted women. Um, expressing their love for him, their faith in him, trying to uh, shore him up in, uh, in, in emotional support, and they uh, may even have prepared meals for him. I just wonder if you and I had had that opportunity to, to be with him that, on that trek from Je- Galilee to Jerusalem, what would we have done to minister to him? How, how could we have helped him? And would we if we had been there? Anyway, what a great thing for these this group of women that were acknowledged in doing that. And then uh, as they arrive in Jerusalem, Christ, of course, is taken before Pilate and, uh, and then Pilate uh, sends him to the guards who, after going back and forth with Caiaphas and Annas and all of that, but finally... Um, he is uh, his sentence of crucifixion is announced, and and he's scourged by the Roman soldiers, and and then following that terrible ordeal, he begins the the uh, what we call the death march from the area of uh, where he was tortured to Calgary, and while he was all along this, uh, this, this path going towards uh, Calgary, uh, there's this uh, interesting statement in Luke chapter 23. And there followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning unto them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but for yourselves and for your children. So, and that statement, uh, of course, being a um, kind of a foreboding statement to them about the impending destruction of Jerusalem that was going to be forthcoming. But here again is this group of faithful, devoted women who were following him along this march to Calgary. And somewhere along the way, he stops and is able to speak to them briefly. That, that's just so impressive to me because as noted by Elder James Talmage in Jesus the Christ, um, Jesus was silent during all the time that he was being um, questioned by Pilate. And, and all of the others, he was silent. He was silent during the torturing and the scourging that he received by the Roman soldiers. But then he finally speaks, while he's on his march to Calgary, to this group of women, again who are so faithful and devoted. That group of women, according to the various scriptures in the New Testament, in the four Gospels. Those, it consisted of Mary, the mother of Jesus, Ma- Mary's sister, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. She's often called the, the other Mary. Mary Magdalene, Salome, who was the mother of the apostles James and John, and Joanna, she was another follower of the Savior, and then many others who were unnamed, This group of women then uh, also, as they follow this march to Calvary, they are are there identified again at the cross. In Mark 15, uh, or excuse me, John 25, it's, I'm sorry, John 19, it states, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. And then in Mark 15, it further states, there were also women looking on afar off, among whom was Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James the Less and Joseph and Salome, who also, when he was in Galilee, followed him and ministered unto him, and many other women which came up with him unto Jerusalem. So as they, they uh, the Savior, of course, is crucified and after several hours gives up the ghost, he dies. And when he's taken off the cross, Joseph of Arimathea had gone to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Pilate consented, so Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they took the body of Christ. They wrapped it in a clean cloth and they laid it in Joseph's own tomb. Well, Luke chapter 23 records, and the women also, which came with him from Galilee, followed after and beheld the sepulcher and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandments. So again, this group of women who follow him to the tomb, um, and then they return home so that they can get additional spices and ointments to prepare his body uh, in a manner that they felt would be appropriate. The next morning at the tomb, John chapter 20 records The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulchre and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre and we know not where they have laid him. Well, then Peter and John it records, run to the tomb. And Elbert Talmage states that Mary Magdalene followed the two apostles back to the garden of the burial. After uh, Peter and John had been there for a bit, they apparently left the tomb. And then John 20 records the following. But Mary stood without the sepulchre weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them,
0: Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him.
1: And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him,
0: Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away.
1: Jesus saith unto her, Mary.
0: She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni.
1: Which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Isn't it remarkable to think that Mary Magdalene was so faithful, so devoted to the Savior, that she would be the first one to whom he would appear. She was the first person in, in all of humanity to see a resurrected being. That first one, of course, being Jesus Christ. How wonderful for Mary Magdalene, who clearly must have been a remarkable A remarkable woman of faith. Well, um, Mary Magdalene, uh, after this encounter with the Savior, she then went to go tell the disciples. Um, In the meantime, this other group of women that we have been talking about all along here also had an encounter with the Savior. Luke 24 reads, now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they, Mary Magdalene and other, the other Mary and Joanna, came unto the sepulchre, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. So there was this group of women that had gone to the sepulchre uh, also uh, to see the, take care of the body of Jesus. They found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre. They entered in, and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words, and returned from the sepulcher, and told all these things unto the eleven, and to the re- all the rest. Well, there's a very important addition that's put in as they were traveling from the tomb to go back to the disciples, Matthew 28 records and they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples word and as they went to tell his disciples behold Jesus met them saying all hail and they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him then said Jesus unto them be not afraid Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. I I just reflect again on this this large group of women who, who, again, were so full of love and devotion to the Savior that they were blessed and privileged to have the opportunity to see him shortly after Mary Magdalene did. And they were the first ones to have the privilege of actually touching him as they bowed down and worshiped him and held his feet. I just have so much love and respect for this group of devoted women who, who um, for all of the generations of mankind since the time of the Savior, have had the privilege of knowing the kind of faith and devotion that they exhibited. And um, I just, I'm just so grateful for the example that they they left for all of us. It makes me think of my own mother and my grandmother, my, my wife, Bonnie, who has this kind of faith and devotion to the Lord where I'm sure had they lived in those times, they would have been part of this group as well and many, many others that, uh, of women who are so full of faith. Some may ask the question, why is it that Mary Magdalene was not able to touch the Savior, but this additional group of women, not long after, were able to? Well, Elder Tamage addresses that point as well. And he, he says this, it appears reasonable and probable, that between Mary's impulsive attempt to touch the Lord and the action of the other women who held him by the feet as they bowed in worshipful reverence, Christ did ascend to the Father, and that later he returned to earth to continue his ministry in the resurrected state. And then Elder Talmadge makes this this, uh, concluding comment that to me is just, so on point. He says, but while the apostles hesitated to believe that Christ had actually risen, the women, less skeptical, more trustful, knew, for they had both seen him and heard his voice, and some of them had touched his feet. Well, the day will come when we all will have the opportunity to kneel and worship him and hold him by the feet. And we too will be able to know that he is the risen Lord. I, I love these uh, few lines in a song that uh, I had the privilege with my cousin Meryl Dayton um, 30 years ago, uh, singing in a little boat on the Sea of Galilee with a group of other people that were on a tour of Jerusalem. Um, and we sang. I'll walk today where Jesus walked in days of long ago. I'll wander down each path he knew with reverent step and slow. Those little lanes, they have not changed. A sweet peace fills the air. I'll walk today where Jesus walked and feel his presence there. Beautiful. Well, he is not here, but is risen, and he lives.
0: Happy Easter, everyone.
1: This is Notes from John.
0: With a babble from Bon. Good
1: Good night, night, everybody.